This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features an old friend of mine, Yaniv Zarif. Me and Yaniv worked and sang together on Spirit Cruises, Spirit of New York. It was a cruise boat that toured around New York, or is a is a cruise boat that tours around New York, uh, the Hudson and the East River. Bunch of talented people were on that cruise with us back in the day. Um, it was a day cruise thing. I was a singing bartender. Yanif was a singing server, and we both were singing servers for a period of time at Ellen's Stardust Diner in Times Square. Yanif is also an actor, singer, like yours truly, um, and... Yaniv has gone on and he's performed on a lot of cruise ships around the world as an actor, as a featured singer, and he has developed his own show that he tours around the world now called Music Beyond Language. Because in addition to being a talented singer, actor, Yaniv is a polygot. He is fluent in, I believe, six languages and conversational in 32, something like that. You'll hear that in this conversation that we have. We had a broad ranging conversation talking about investing in oneself, talking about the process of acting, creating your own work, to politics and the conflict in Israel, the Middle East, and Palestine. Um, but as I, as I said, I think it's very important to talk about some issues that are hard to talk about. They're hot button issues but I, I believe that the way that we go forward and make some progress is by talking and listening. Um, even if we don't see 100% eye to eye, I think if we can listen and respect each other and have these conversations from a place of love, we can, we can go forward. And I think that's important to remember in this hotly contested election that we are once again in um, when you're talking with your friends and it gets really hot right now on particularly right now we're in the primary. So if you are on the Democratic side and not uh, a fan of the current president, then we're having some pretty heated debates within our subdivisions and, and our different views about who we think should be the primary person. Um, also, there are people... There's probably family members of mine who still support Trump, even though I have some strong feelings against him and damage that I think he's doing to the country. But I'm not going to let him and the hatred that he's sowing make me be hateful to my own family. I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to give up on you. Um, I just want to encourage conversations. That's me and Yaniv did not get into a hotly uh, contested argument or anything like that. I just want to share that because we, we, we got deep. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Yaniv. I've always loved his singing. So check out the links in the show notes if you want to check that out. And hopefully he will do his show, Music Beyond Language, here in New York sometime soon. It was great to reconnect with him. I thought it was a really great, deep um Really meaningful conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, this is Yaniv Zarif, Music Beyond Language. 
Let's have a conversation. Go ahead and get going right now. Yaniv. What's up, man? Yaniv Zarif. Yes. Um, Man, it's been... Not quite 10 years, I yeah, would guess. Yeah, I was but about to say like maybe nine, maybe yeah. eight or nine since we've last seen each other. Yeah. And we worked, of course, on the Spirit of New York together Represent. back in the day. Yes. Um, and also, I think I was there I was there briefly, but I was at Ellen's oh, Stardust. Yes. That's right. We um, worked at Ellen's together. That was yeah. such a fun time because you and I kind of got hired at the same time. Yeah. So you and I were constantly learning about the politics of that place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, how that worked. Have you have you been in touch with them at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those people have become a huge part of my life. Um, I really only worked there for about three years, so not too much longer after you left. Um, and but those people, those are forever friends. You know, it's, yeah. it's a kind of job that you go into, and everyone is going through exactly the same thing that you're going through in your life. And I'm sure that you related to that as well. You know, you come in, you're having a bad day because you didn't get that part that you auditioned for, and somebody else has a story just like that to relate to. Or you're having a bad day because this, or you're having a great day because you got a call back. And you just have people that constantly care about what you're doing and are invested in your life. And when you go to work with people like that, those people are going to be your friends for life. Yeah, absolutely. And a talented group of people at that. And right off the bat, I want to say to you, because part of my journey was there was about five years of no acting, like Mm -hmm. a pretty conscious decision on my part. Um, I don't know if it was at if I don't know if it was at first, but I found myself after like stepping away, kind of being like, I think I'm okay with this right now. Um, And I was making music at the time, but the big difference and the big perspective and mindset shift for me was like coming back and getting back into it is that, you know, there's all of these actors and all of these talented people in New York city. Mm -hmm. People come from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And so on the one hand, there's a lot of competition and it can feel overwhelming um it can be taxing mentally and and physically oh yeah uh but the big shift that i had in my mindset about it and why i'm excited and enjoying it this time around is that you're not really in competition with anybody else that's right it's not like you're running a race yes where one person goes faster. Like it's you don't subjective. have to. You don't have. Everyone has their own path. And yeah. It took me a while to realize that as well. So it's definitely a privilege that somebody has to recognize that at an early age. It certainly wasn't me, but I'm glad that I recognize it now. Yeah. In that sense, and I'm you know as you have as well. I'm sure you're very grateful for that kind of over over overwhelming feeling. You know that it it's it's okay to be who you are and go on your own path and not have to worry about other people's. And it seems like you're finding yours as you know, we all are. And I think it's, that's the beauty of life. And I want to tell you, um, as like the Ellen Stardust is like overwhelming, like the, the so many talented, yeah. like crazy talented people. I felt the same way. And yeah. same on the boat. Um, but on the boat specifically, you 
I just want you to know you're one of the standout voices oh that I remember goodness. from that time. Alec, Jean, um, what are you doing to me? <laughs> that as if as if I don't remember you popping out some Stevie. Believe me, the feeling is so mutual. When, and I remember you popping out Stevie well, as well. Yes, so of course. yes, you know, <laughs> mutual. Uh, Stevie, the longer like I delve into his music, like I think he's my favorite. Oh, my brother said down. it like he he's does music. Like he's one of the best people that does music. Yes, period. I ever. completely agree. With for me, the top of the list is Stevie Wonder and Elton John. Nice. Those two are like my idols and the people that I um, aspire to kind of emulate in in my artistry. And those have been two huge inspirations for me. Something uh, that I like, aside from your singing, like this guy can sing, um, <laughs> is uh, you carry yourself i always remember you carrying yourself with kindness oh that's a wonderful thing um, to be remembered for so thank so you i don't for know what that. you like your evolution and what you've learned about the competition but you always kind of carried and and treated everybody with kindness from what i remember i i, I honestly i know I, I i just said that but it's for to be remembered for something like that is one of the most meaningful things that someone could hear. And especially since you and I have not seen each other in so long, that means a lot to me. And I'm, I'm so happy that I had that effect on you. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Well, thanks for being here. Of course. Yeah. And I know a little bit of what you've been working on. Kind of. I've heard about it. But why don't you talk about that sure. a little bit? Um, I've been on a huge journey with uh, my creation in the past few years. And uh, the past two years, it's finally come to fruition. Um, I have been stepping away from acting uh, when I started to realize that I may not be the best at it. And, and I always knew that I was an entertainer and I always knew that I was a singer, but I started to feel like I was kidding myself um, when it comes to the storytelling aspect of entertainment. And first I got down about it and I, you know, had low confidence about it and, and, and uh, thinking that I wasn't going to get anywhere. But then I, I learned that I have to start creating my own uh, work to, to get to where I want to be. And with a lot of trial and error and a lot of hard um, thought and introspective thought and creativity, I finally got into a place where I've been selling my own show and I've been touring with it for the past two years. So what it is, it's a one-man show. And I'm, my title is Headliner Guest Entertainer. Uh, which is like the formal title when I get hired for these jobs. And it, the show is called Music Beyond Language. And Music Beyond Language, it's about like a 50 to one hour show, 50 minute to one hour show that tells the story of my life as a polyglot and all of the languages that I speak. Um, so I speak six fluently. Wow. And the, the gist of the show is that I'm able to have a conversation in 32 different languages. So every song is translated into a different language and every song tells the story of how I came to learn that language and how music and language are kind of reinvented. So it's a very unique show. It's a very charming show. It's um, a wildly musical show and it, uh, it premiered, it debuted at Feinstein's 54 below in 2018. And that is when I got my first start with the show. And um, that's when I got my agent, uh, from London, who now represents my show for the cruise ship industry. And soon after that, I started doing the South Florida condominium market, uh, traveling kind of down there. So between those two, um, I've been in and out of the city, uh, traveling with the show, creating my own work and selling what I created, which is such a huge, 
huge thing for me to feel that I've created something that I'm able to make a living off of. And not only that, but I love what it's about and people love what it's about. And language is such a huge part of my life that I never knew was going to be interesting to other people. Um, because when I was creating this show and I said to my friends, you know, my colleagues, I need a show that's going to be interesting and different because no one is going to hire me as a guest entertainer, as a headliner, um, just to hear me sing. You know, it's just like everyone has enough male vocalists out there and we, I need to be something special. And my friend said to me, hello, like you speak so many languages. And I was like, yeah, but what am I just going to brag about myself for 45 minutes? And they're like, no, you're going to find a way to celebrate what you have and what you do with it. And the way I've managed to do that is not only tell the story, because it's a very interesting story about how I came to learn all these languages and my life experience, but also that it's been a great way to connect with humans all around the world. I learn languages so that I can break the ice with people that I don't know if I'm in their country or if they're in my country and they, it makes them feel a little bit more comfortable or honestly just to let make people smile sometimes or to make them laugh. Um, and it started off as, you know, just kind of a thing to engage with people. And once I started getting serious about it um, and started divesting, investing in, uh, divesting, investing in learning, properly these languages it became a huge power to have to be able to touch people um, who are either scared or uncomfortable or just making them making a connection with people that you otherwise would not have made a connection with and learning about different cultures from around the world um, and that is the story of my show and that is that is basically what the show jumps off of it jumps off of connection it jumps off of culture and it's all the songs are like half in English and half in a different language. So you don't lose focus. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can't have an audience that just listens to songs in different languages because they'll get bored of that. They're like, I have no idea what's going on. Maybe one group of people who speaks that language will, but I take popular songs and, I trans and I've translated them all to different languages, some in five different languages at a time and some in 32 at a time. <laughs> So yeah, that's the gist of my show. I've been premiering it on Princess Cruises, Holland America Line, Viking Cruises, and it's been taking me all over the world. The great thing about it is that they fly me to these ships, and then I get to come home. So mm -hmm. I'm there for like a week, and then I, or like four days even at times, and I get to come home, and I just wait for the next ship. Like for now, I'm leaving on Sunday for my next one, and um, it's great to be able to still be based in New York and still create. Uh, what I have been trying to create and build connections with people and I'm not committing to an entire life out at sea mm -hmm. um, like I used to because I used to be a production cast member which involved me living on the ship for eight months at a time yeah yeah I uh, I went in for a couple of well actually it was one cruise ship that I and I think it was it Holland America I can't remember off the top of my head like yeah. this year oh this year I was going in because um, I have a friend. Uh, Brian Baez. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know, know if you know him. No. Um, okay. So then probably a different line, but we went to school together. There were a couple of things. There were a couple of people I ended up knowing in the room, yeah. but so I've been called in for a number of times, but like I'm married now. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough to manage. Yeah. That. So it's like, I wouldn't like, it's one of those things I wish I did before because. Does your wife sing? She's, she's, uh, having me 
take give her singing oh, okay. lessons. Got it. Um, she she likes to sing. She plays cello a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So we're working. We're working that. I, out. I think you and I have talked before, but I work. I work in the casting department of Seaborn Cruise Line, mm-hmm. and I think that you and I have talked about potentially you going out at one point. Um, but I was going to say, if your wife did sing, we do a lot, we do offer a lot of contracts with husband and wives together and yeah. we could make that work. But, but unfortunately she'd need to be a pretty professional singer, right. yeah. high caliber at least. But yeah, I'm sure I, I think I remember that you were interested in doing it at some point. Yeah. But the challenge is the, the time away, yes. which she'd be supportive of too. Um, it's just, yeah, that's, it's a whole can of worms. Yes. Um, but I, I understand. I do find myself um, very similarly with the thought, and I, I advise this for all actors, and I, I do think that not everybody, like we were talking about, not everybody's path is the same right. by any means. Every, In fact, everybody's path is different. Yeah. Um, but I do think that most actors and performers there comes a point when either either you make peace with being at the whim of the fates and and the mm-hmm. decision makers which is hard to get to which is hard to get to or you become a producer actor writer like something else and create your own material yes so i always advise actors if possible to write their own material, create their own material. Right. But I know that it's not for everybody. I never thought I was capable of doing it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it was a complete surprise. So how did that process, I guess, work for you? So I started drafting the show as a simply headliner vocalist. You know, like I I was introduced to the industry by uh, working on cruise ships and I would see these guest artists uh-huh. come on and I see them get treated like royalty and they get these big passenger cabins and they get paid like triple what we got paid. And I was always very drawn to them, and I would always talk to them and learn from them. Who's your agent? Who's this? Who's that? And at first, I created just like a headliner vocalist show, and I got it on tape, and I utilized the band that I had on board. And no, I was not getting any interest. I was not getting any response. And you know, I knew it wasn't because I wasn't good, but no one seemed to be really wowed or interested. And Finally, I got some feedback from agents that were just like, you know, we have enough male vocalists and we're not really interested in picking up another one. So I thought to myself, well, I have to do something more than be a male vocalist. I have to really dig into what I have to offer. So I eventually got to the concept of celebrating my linguistic skills and incorporating that with music. And I did another draft of that, another run of that. And it was good, but it wasn't where it was today and then I did it for a third time just as another run while I was still working on ships and I finally felt like it started to click and then once I got to do go through all those trial and errors I debuted it at Feinstein's 54 below and it was just the most liberating and honoring like moments of my life because everything that happened that night just kind of um like came together everything Mm -hmm. aligned it was electric the audience was just like it i could feel their energy 
through everything and I was funny. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, just naturally, like everything that came out of me came from me feeling what they were feeling and and things happened so perfectly that night and it just turned out to be one of the best nights of my life. And I really, I not only got to share with people what I do and what I'm capable of, but I learned from myself what I'm capable of. And it was just one of the most incredible nights of my life. I, saw, I got to see who I'm capable of being as an entertainer, as a host, as someone who carries their own show and is different. And that was a huge revelation for me. And I'm really grateful for that night because I initially didn't want to do it because I was like, why would I do a show in New York? No one's paying me to do a show in New York. But, you know, and, and even though they pay you, I had to use a lot of expenses on my band, mm-hmm. on my videographers, on my promotional material. So I didn't make any money that night. But what I did do was I got the show on film in a prestigious setting with a great audience. And I was able to sell it from that night. And it was just like the best thing that could have happened to me. How did you go about booking the venue? Uh, I contacted the booking, the programming director. Her name is Jen Tepper. I'm sure you've heard of her. She's just like all over the city. She's one of the, she's one of the biggest, probably the only one I know, theater historians uh, out there. The people that have managed to take a skill like that and create a career out of it. She's now a producer, a very, very big producer. Um, and I've gotten to see her climb because I've known her since high school. And she is just, then she got on with the, as the programming director for 54 Below. So she's a great person to know. I'm sure a lot of people have seen her name everywhere. She's written a few books and she just knows everyone and everything. So um, I got her email address from a friend and I submitted my, the reel of what I had and she approved it and she gave me a date. And once she set me up, I was like, okay, well, this is, this is going to be my New York debut. I'm going to have to do this right. And I'm going to have to invest everything that I can into it. You know, like I have to think of money as not being an object, even though I'm, I don't know what kind of reward I'm going to get for it. And if I can give advice to anyone investing in your career is so worth it. And it's hard to do that when you don't have direct rewards. You know, and it's not immediate satisfaction. But when you invest in the right videographers, I used Shady Theatrics for Shayla Benoit, uh, just a little advertisement there, product placement. And uh, I had an awesome, awesome band that I gathered from references. And you have to you have to pay money to make money. And making that investment was worth every penny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nice. it was great. And then once I had that reel, I sent it off to this agency in London who represents uh, headliner guest entertainers. And then it just took off from there. Thank God. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, I love that story. Thank and you. What, what was I going to ask? Well, I guess one question is how many languages or which languages do you speak? So I speak English, uh, Hebrew, Russian, Spanish, Italian, and American sign language. Wow. Those are the six that I speak. And then I'm conversational in 32. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any advice on learning languages? I was listening to a podcast the other day. I want to go back and figure out which one it was. Cause one of the guys was talking about in the American school system, language is taught a certain way. And in general, it's not taught very well. Mm-hmm. And this person was actually talking about education in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing he was talking about is there are books on language that for him, like 
learning about and reading those books right. actually made him better at approaching and learning yeah. language. Whereas like in like basically most of the American school system, it's sort of like, Oh no, you don't need to, you don't need to learn that stuff. Like that's advanced stuff. Right. And the problem with that is that for some students, they might, they might pick up the language the way it's taught flying, yes. but there are different types of learning yes. um, for different people. Absolutely. And so some people learning like the concept can then actually help them. So I wonder. Well, the first thing that I'll say before I give any actual real approaches and advice is that the people that are um, intrigued and the people that are passionate about it are the ones that are going to learn fastest. It's just like anything else. If you're not passionate or in, truly interested in something, you're never really going to pick it up. Like I have six years of dance training and I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in musical theater, which includes a myriad of dance classes. I'm an awful dancer. I'm a terrible dancer. My heart was never in it. And even though I'm a trained dancer, quote unquote, I'm I'm abysmal. I'm just like terrible. So I think... And, and that applies to any situation, especially with languages. If you're not interested in what you're learning, you're never going to really latch on to its fluidity, to its fluency. And I was just very passionate about it. I grew up bilingual, speaking Hebrew at home because my family's from Israel. Um, and it just kind of... Uh, what was the other language? The first language? English. English. English, yeah, sorry. Um, and it just kind of spiraled into like more and more languages. In uh, high school, I studied Italian and American Sign Language. I started competing in like musical interpretation competitions uh, that won me some, you know, like teenager awards that I was very proud of. And, and I, st I made a group of deaf friends that I would go home with after school and practice with. And with Italian, it was also a concerted effort to keep up with. I would go into chat rooms online and speak to strangers back when that wasn't like a weird thing to do. And um, we would just kind of exchange advice on English and Italian and stuff like that. And I would go to Italy and just stay there for three weeks and do nothing but speak with strangers in Italian. And then Russian came about when I started working with some like incredible Ukrainian and Russian and Moldovian dancers who didn't speak very good English. And I thought to myself, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with these people. I can't not get to know them. So was that on the ships? Yeah, or? that okay. was on the ships. And so what the first thing I did was I downloaded a Russian dictionary. I said, I'm going to you know learn a few things. And then I said, oh, I can't read this. So, <laughs> so I went on YouTube and I found this 11-minute video of teaching the Russian alphabet, the mm -hmm. Cyrillic alphabet. I watched it about three times a day for a week. And after watching that 11-minute video three times a day for a week, I learned how to read and write in Russian. And once I was able to read and write, I was able to use the dictionary. I was able to fragment sentences. I was able to start building my vocabulary. And with three years, with constantly being around Russians, I eventually made them speak to me only in Russian so that I could continue to learn. So, like, there's a dedication that you need to get to a level that you want to get to in languages. Um, with other languages, I've watched movies that I'm familiar with that are dubbed into different languages. You know, if you just watch Italian movies, you might get really thrown off. But I think someone gave me a copy of Titanic mm -hmm. that was able to be dubbed in Italian. So you know what's happening in the story and you can take out of context what the situation is when you don't understand some of the words, when you don't understand some of the sentences. So I highly recommend watching movies that you're familiar with that can be dubbed. Um, I highly recommend movies in general. And I also 
recommend being surrounding yourself with people that will challenge you to do that. And Spanish, uh, I also never studied formally. I spoke Italian already, and then I spent six months in South America. Um, and with knowing the grammatical structure and the conjugations of Italian, I was able to incorporate that into Spanish and basically just turn around what was different in the vocabulary. Um, because Spanish and Italian are very similar grammatically. So you have to find out what's different about them. And then once you expand your vocabulary, then you're unstoppable. Um, so that's how I've gotten to learn all of those languages. Impressive. Thank you so much. And my hats off to you. Thank um, you, my friend. Yeah, I want to... Something I want, and we'll see how far... Like, yeah. I have the curiosity. I, I enjoy it. Yes. Um, Was we'll there a specific see. language that you're kind of interested in? Well, Dutch. Dutch, um, of course. Because of my wife. Right. Um, and Lekker. then... Lekker. Lekker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could teach you a lot of dirty stuff in Dutch, but you probably know that already, too. Uh, yeah, I know yeah. some. Um, and then Spanish. <laughs> Great. Which I... I would say I probably understand those two about mm -hmm. at the same level i'm probably at a similar level with those two yeah just because i did have spanish in school right and then i went to a spanish preschool when i was a little kid it's so useful spanish is just like the most useful language to know especially living in new york and especially living in brooklyn even you know like in this area i was hearing like i just went to a grocery oh, yeah. store where some people didn't even speak english yeah and i was able to at least ask them what I needed, what the help that I needed in Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, so Spanish and Dutch, those are two great languages. Yeah. I think if I wanted to learn another language, it would be Arabic. Mm -hmm. That would be my next one because my father's first language was Arabic. Yeah. His Arabic. He was born in Syria uh, before his, before the family moved to Israel um, upon the creation of the Jewish state. And uh, I am so constantly surrounded by Arabic speakers when I go to Israel because, you know, Israel is so multicultural and, and I think it's like 20% Muslim. So really Arabic is like, has become a second language of Israel. And I've always, I always love eating Arabic food and I go to the Arab quarters when I want to get like some good shawarma and some good falafel. And, uh, I've, my father, I just love seeing him speak Arabic to these peoples. And, and there's a lot of words that I'm already familiar with growing up, um, speaking Hebrew and my father, you know, and speaking to his, to my grandmother in Arabic. And, and I've always been fascinated by that language. And I think it would be a great language to learn that I'd be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, without being controversial, like here, well, so in the U S we see news about Israel and mm -hmm. Palestine and like the conflict there. Um, and I have, I have opinions about it and I have friends with ties to both and you have family from Israel. Mm -hmm. Um, I have like my mom's last name is Clapstein. So I probably have <laughs> Jewish ancestry, um, Russian Jewish ancestry cool. specifically. Um, yeah. And I guess from somebody, did you live there too? No, I've never lived there. Um, just, do you have hope for, like, in this, I mean, we could talk about, like, like, I'm concerned with things happening here, too, in this mm -hmm. country, so it's not, um, but probably, yeah, I just, it, I just think it's sad, like, the conflict it's that I sad. see. It's extremely sad. From the outside between, like, it's like, it's hard because even, like, religiously, technically, it's like, 
the same God, even. They're both an Abrahamic religion. Right. Yeah, I think um, I know what you... Yeah, so it's like I guess not it's not even, quite the same, but yeah. I, you we, know what I mean? Like from a lot of the same ideas. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's the... I think that the thing people... I, look, I have a very solid opinion, a stance on this, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to be projecting my, if that's okay. Ab- absolutely. Okay. I, you know, I, I have hope for peace. Um, unfortunately, I don't see it happening for a very long time because I think the thing people need to know, understand the most, is that it's even though we're telling people it's about land, even though the media is telling us it's about land, it's never been about land. It's always been about an internal hate and internal conflict and you know it's not it's not just the palestinians that have disdain for the jewish people it's it's a surrounding neighborhood of countries that have attacked israel it constantly and israel has had to endure that throughout her whole entire existence so i think when the day comes when hate is eliminated from the equation there might be a time to make peace and um, a lot of people don't accept that the Jewish state exists and that until that happens, nothing is ever going to get resolved. You know, Israel is constantly, even just recently with the United States has um, a, a proposed a peace plan and that they, that the Palestinians have rejected. And you can go back to, you know, as early as 1973 and then to 1981 and then to 1993 and then 1999, 2001, 2016 with the John Kerry plan and now 2020 with Trump's plan. Um, and it's all been rejected as of like two days ago, rejected. And what's what people need to understand is no matter what we offer, they're not going to approve it unless we give them unless we give them everything. And as I think specifically when in terms of Jerusalem. And, you know, they feel entitled to that. And sure, you know, you have every right to have that opinion, but peace is not going to happen unless you're willing to compromise. And in my opinion, I feel like the U.S. and Israel is trying to compromise with that. And with all the aid that's being sent to, uh, oh gosh, I'm getting really controversial. I hope your listeners aren't exploding right now. Uh, with, With all the financial aid that's being sent to uh, the PLO and Hamas, you know, like not only through America, but through Saudi Arabia, through Iran and through many, even through the UK, if they just used that money to build schools and hospitals and, you know, roads and better lives for their people, instead of funneling it for, uh, you know, rockets, which are being thrown at Israel 200 times a day and, you know, and thankfully intercepted by an Iron Dome and funneling terrorism, then I think there could be a better life for these people because these people don't have good lives. And I think the misconception with people that like to vilify Israel is that the reason these people don't have good lives is because of Israel, but it's really because their government is so beyond corrupt that they don't care about their people. And and I think once that happens, once the Palestinians care about their citizens and more than they hate Israel, then there will be a way for people to live in peace and for people to have an established state because I think that's, I know that's what Israel wants. Israel wants um, Palestine to have a state of their own because right now with the way we are controlling like all of the security in the West Bank and we've completely relinquished Gaza, um, but with, we also kind of um, have 
we have a huge part to deal with like their irrigation and their electricity. And I'm sure Israel would love for them to be independent in that and not have to be the resources for that as well. So there's definitely a want for peace on the Israeli side. I can promise you that. And so let me ask you just another question yeah. within that. All of that, fine. Um, do you, so it's like for me here, there, there's like a impeachment thing yes. going on right now. Yeah. Um, and there is what I think is a lot of corruption mm -hmm. within this administration right. and within like the Republicans involved with that. Also, mm -hmm. I think there's also a lot of corruption with the Democrats. Like, I think corruption yeah. is a problem yeah. everywhere. So I guess the I only think thing... I think yes, labeling it to any certain party would just be irresponsible, you know, it's like, like you said. And so this is just one controversy. Do you think there's any corruption in Israel? To... Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. Just because I think the... Like, that's, I think, the problem a lot of times with with this is, like, it's not the people like the people like even like what's going yeah. on here it's not most of the u.s people are not even involved right in these decisions in fact if benjamin netanyahu loses this upcoming election he will be indicted for corruption and he most likely will go to jail and now israel is not um is is not a stranger to sending their prime ministers to jail for mm. corruption they've done that before and uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, I think, accepted gifts. I don't really know the full story behind it, but uh, it's definitely been investigated, and he will be indicted if he loses the seat uh, come coming this March. I don't know if he will, but there's corruption everywhere, and uh, certainly even with this administration in Israel right now. So I, I don't know any country that's devoid of it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, there's stronger. Uh, stronger uh talking points in certain countries where the corruption is like affecting foreign policy more than anything so people are aware about the israeli corruption as much as the u.s corruption and the iranian corruption and hamas and plo and stuff like that because those are the most controversial issues to talk about yeah yeah and i i didn't mean to open up a can of worms on it either <laughs> um, but also like i think it's very important to like broach these difficult conversations like that's i think you know what i mean like yeah, that's 100%. the problem is people aren't talking yes people aren't listening to each other i have i have people that support the boycott and divestment of sanction of israel and i don't disregard them and i don't throw away their friendships because of it i do try to enlighten them in what i believe is what is misguided about that movement and which in my opinion is not, you know, succeeding. And I rather like to offer different solutions than because Israel boycotting Israel is, is so unhelpful because Israel offers so much to the world in terms of technological advancements there. I think they um, found they cured like one of the first or second HIV patients. They're coming out with new cancer treatments. They have extremely, advanced medical services that are being uh, used all over the world. They were their first responders in many, many countries that deal with natural disasters uh, with Haiti and with Ecuador. And then with uh, recently with the boys in the cave in Thailand, they created a system with uh, the radios to be able to communicate with people to go further into the caves. Israel contributes so much of this world, including the SIM card and your phone, USB sticks, you know, all of these were um, 
like created with industries that were based in Israel. I, I was, yeah, speaking on that, I was listening to something the other day and it was talking about, it was a German and it might've been a German. It, I can't remember. I think it was a person of Jewish descent and a person of German descent. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how after the Holocaust, like Germany has never really recovered from what they were. And one of the things was like the Jewish scientists and inventors during oh, really? that time. Wow. I've um, never heard of that. And how, yeah, like just the, that yeah. is kind of, I don't know. I, I can't remember exactly yeah. what they were saying about that, but. And besides the whole political reasoning for the boycott, mm-hmm. I just think um, pragmatically the boycott is such a bad idea only because Israel is a huge has become a huge part of the world and you know that's just the reality of it <clears throat> and people are utilizing the things that israel's bringing to the world so i don't stand with the boycott but i have friends that do and i i, I don't it, it could get heated but you know i don't i don't disregard people for not having the same stance as me i do i do wish that i do wish that there was a stronger support for israel and less of a vilification like what's happening in Congress specifically. And I, and I wish that I feel that it's kind of, um, breaking lines to where anti-Semitism <coughs> can be fleshed in with anti-Zionism, you know, because people love to gaslight with, Oh, we were not, it's not anti-Semitic because we're just criticizing Israel, but there's things happening far beyond criticizing Israel. Yeah. And it just needs like, it's breaking the line now way too much. And, I think people need to understand that. So I speak up against that a lot. I do think it is possible to to be... Oh, I have plenty of things to criticize Israel about. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you could, but the things that people choose to um, don't... They don't... They do it either in a way that um, uses many historical tropes that were used in the Holocaust or, right. you know, with the idea of money or with the idea of world domination or of just like in anything or, or um, buying buildings specifically here in Brooklyn, there's a huge <coughs> rate in crime hiking and um, anti-Semitism attacks happening because, you know, some people are upset about gentrification and they're upset that they're losing some more spaces, you know, for, for projects and this and that. So it's a very, very sensitive subject yeah. and it needs to be addressed. I think more often. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry if I interrupted you. I don't know if you were saying. No, no, no. Um, I remember a question I had earlier, actually, and it was about, so you did the 54 show, the yeah. Fine Science 54, um, and then you found your agent and you've been doing this. Have you been, well, you said you've been doing it on ships a lot and then the condominium market. Yeah. Do you perform it in New York at all anymore? So here's the deal. I, you know, 54 asked me to come back and <coughs> sorry, I don't know what's happening. I'm just choking right here. Um, and I was invited by the triad and I've been also looking into Birdland, but I don't have enough friends to invite. <laughs> I feel like all the friends that I had came to see the show that night. And I don't know that if I were to do it again, that I'd be able to fill up a room you know, I'm still, as much as the show's been going great, I, I've been doing it outside of the city, and I don't know how many people... How big are these rooms? Um, I'd say about 110 to 130 
seats, theater kind of thing. So I and how many people do they? (laughs) You know how? That's okay. Sorry, I should have put this on silent. How many? uh, How many people do they need? Um, Or you know, it's not. I don't think there's. They never gave me a specific number, but I would just be. I would be mortified to you know put on a show and only have like 40 people show up in yeah. like a room that holds 130. Um, thankfully I'd like used every ounce of my energy to invite as many people as possible. And I had a full house and thank God for that. But uh, I'm just scared of doing it again and not getting the kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for out um, turnout turnout. Thank you that I would hope for. Uh, but I would love to do it in New York if I, had I think it. you should, I think, there could be a way to kind of crowdsource yeah. that ahead of time. Yeah. Like kind of. Yeah. I, I was, I was looking into Birdland because they have a smaller venue downstairs and I think it's like maybe 90 um, maximum or something like that. And I think it could be something that I might be ready again to invest to, but I've always been against it for that reason. Just like, I don't have the energy to just like do all of that all over again. And I don't know if my friends would come again. Maybe they, and now I think they would because the shows evolved even more. So, so I think it would be great. I'd love to see it. So, oh, thank you, you know, man. <laughs> I didn't get to see it the first time, so uh, I'll send you a promotional reel so you can get a little teaser of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of that, where is the best place for people to find you online? And uh, follow? My website is my name.com. So it's Yaniv Zarif. It's Y A N I V. Uh, Z is in zebra, A R I F is in Frank, com. You can see my schedule, my upcoming tour dates, uh, as well as um, promotional videos for the show um, and other exciting stuff about me that you can learn about if you're interested in that. Uh, my Instagram is solely for marketing, so it's only videos of my singing. And because I don't use Instagram for anything else. Um, I like Instagram, not knocking Instagram, but I only, so like if you go to my Instagram, which is YZ music, YZ, uh, you'll just see a bunch of my singing from the shows and from other places. So that's just for my singing. And some of the material from this show. From music beyond language. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's mostly music beyond language actually. So now that you've created that show, do you think you would like, what do you think about for the future? Obviously you have this one now and that's the great thing about creating a solo show is that it is something you can do as long as you want to do it and forever. Right. Um, what do you think? Like, is there anything? That's a really good question because it, the only thing specifically that I want for it is to become bigger. You know, I still want to do what it's doing. I still want to, I still want to focus on this show and this, you know, one man performance, and I just want it to get bigger and bigger to the point where, you know, it's even getting off of cruise ships and performing um, all over the country uh, and not because I've only done the East Coast so far in terms of land gigs. And cruise ships are great, but, you know, I have to be gone and I have to travel a lot for like a week just to perform one night. Uh-huh. And it's great that I get to relax on the ship for, you know, five days and do nothing, but it's exhausting to travel. So if I could like do some sort of land tour, I think that would be really exciting. Uh, I'd have to find the market for that and the people that, you know, want to book that. Um, but if I could, if I could, you know, just expand it even more, I think that's what I would want. I, I think it's on a good path. Yeah. You know? And, you you know, you can always 
that type of show, it sounds like you could always evolve too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it's constantly evolving. It's a completely different show from what debuted at Feinstein's, uh, which I'm very proud about. And I so through learning, through performing the show, and through having to adapt to different cruise lines, like Holland America is an older crowd, whereas Princess gets a little bit younger in Royal Caribbean. And I've had to make the show be more appealing to younger crowds for that reason. And I'll and I'll change things up. I have a new opening intro. I have a new second show. Oh, I have a second show, by the way, because sometimes they ask me to do a second show. So that one's called Broadway After Dark, and it's just um, an update to like the best Broadway standards, a, a contemporary update to like all of your favorite stuff. Um, so yeah, in that sense, the show's constantly evolving, and I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of it. Nice. Yeah, thank you. What, uh, what genre of music... It's kind of covered. It's everything. It like it goes from funk to soul to opera to Broadway um, to Rat Pack. So one of the song, one of the most, one of the more interesting parts of the show is that I do a song in American Sign Language, and I get to, I sing it while I sign it, and it's mm. Bobby Darin cover of "Don't Rain on My Parade." Um, another interesting part of the show is I do a German yodel, like a really authentic German yodel. So it's like not not a an americanized song that lots of people know it's like one of those straight off the alps kind of uh lesser known songs but it's such a fun song and and what i do with it it it's probably the showstopper of my show because no one expects anybody to come up there and yodel especially after you just sang georgia on my mind in japanese um but it's so much fun for me it's a talent that I acquired only recently in my life and have been uh, further developing. And I just, it always seems to be everyone's favorite part of the show. Have you, just <clears throat> another thing, have you uh, experimented with uh, throat singing or some of the Indian styles of singing? What is throat singing? Throat singing. I think it's uh, like Mongolian throat singing. Oh, um, cool. What's that? I'm trying to think of what show they have that. I'm really interested in Mongolian culture. It's funny that you that you bring that up, but yeah, continue. Yeah, it's kind of this gravelly type of singing. Um, wow! Think on the Marco Polo show on Netflix they had in the opening theme music. If I'm remembering that right, they had some throat. I singing. would love to look into that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure I've... if you just YouTube Mongolian throat yeah. singing, I think, or throat singing. So Hindi is a new language that I've just introduced to my show, but uh, it's not anywhere a part of the musical part of it mm. but so you were you were saying that there's like some sort of indian style vocals yeah um i don't know as much about it i dated a woman back in the day so i oh, cool. like listened to some of the music but yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah there's oh, i'd love to look into that that could be a whole nother realm of things to explore yeah yeah and that's the great thing about it is i can just constantly change it it's just me Mm-hmm. You know, it's just me. So if I want to change something, I'll just got to. So on the boat, do you perform with a band? Yeah. It it ranges from a nine piece band to I've had as little as four pieces. You know, some cruise lines have different just rhythmic sections versus like a full horn section. Um, and it, obviously the full sec, the full horn sections bands are yeah. more exciting. Yeah. But the show can be done, you know, with as simple as just a piano, even if it needs to be or even track shows, which I've done as well. And then what about the land shows? The land shows, I've mostly done tracked. I've mm. been, I did one of them with a band, um, but the, it works fine with a track. It certainly um, diminishes a little bit of the oomph, but 
because uh, the band works with we, you. We, yeah, weaves in with a lot of the comedy in the show. Um, but I make it work, and uh, it's still great. And um, yeah, it works great. And when you do with the band on the boat, do you tend to work with some of the same people, or how does that work? It has happened before, but it's it's because I've, I'm still in my first two years. It's uh, it hasn't happened as much because I'm also exploring different cruise lines, and when you go from different ship to different ship, you have different bands. So I think if I start doing this for many years, God willing, I'm going to start seeing the same faces over and over again, which is my dream. Yeah, <laughs> to just come on a boat and know everybody. Yeah, because it can be a little bit lonely when you come on these ships and you you're you know you're by yourself and you don't know anybody and you're surrounded by people that have established friendships for they're the past however many months that they've been working together. And what do you like tend to do on your downtime? I that's a good question because there's a lot of relaxing. <laughs> there's a lot of sleeping in, but I I try to go to the gym every day that I don't have a show because there's like no excuse. The gym is like 3 decks up from my cabin. Um, and you know, you're going to a buffet every day. So going to the gym is like, it's, I try to set it as a big priority and, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it looking at me that I go to the gym every day, but it's only because I eat so terribly that I need to go to the gym every day. (laughs) So I do go, but it's only to balance out the terrible food that I eat. Um, and I like to go to see the shows every night because there's a different show every night if I'm not on. Um, I like to see the cast shows. Those are cool. Or the comedian shows. Um, there's tons of activities to do on cruise ships, uh, trivias and lectures, traveling lectures. Um, there's the crew bar at night, which you get to hang out with the crew. Uh, I've met passengers that I've fallen in love with. And then of course there's the ports that we go to when you dock into a port and you go explore that and you go on some adventure, you tend to do less adventuring when you're alone. You know, like maybe you'll walk around the city and you're not as inclined to like take an, uh, a four-wheeler uh, Jeep through, you know, like the desert in Trujillo, Peru or anything like that. But you want to do that with friends. Mm-hmm. But um, I still managed to get to see a lot of things, which is great. I'd probably, I mean, I'm, I'd say I, I would do the four-wheeler thing by yeah. myself, but that gets old, I'm sure, yeah. pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's fun when you're with friends. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, you go... You go to like eat local cuisine. Mm-hmm. That's always one of my favorite things to do. Um, and and yeah. how does so like interacting with passengers is that different now that you're doing your own show versus yes, you uh, very very much so. You know, I had a lot of restrictions when I was a part of a troop of a group um, in terms of how close I can get with passengers and how you know honest I could be with them and. First of all, they get to know me better because they sit through an entire show of just me where you learn a lot about who I am as a person as opposed to me just going up and singing with a bunch of backup dancers. Um, and not only that, but you, I'm, I get to do, I have more access to passenger activities because I'm now considered a guest mm-hmm. entertainer. Yeah. So I am a guest. I'm not technically a crew member And even though I get the drink discounts um, and I just get to, I have more time to spend with them. I get to eat in like the dining rooms that they get to eat in. I have my own reservation and I get to uh, get to know them a little bit more. Um, And 
I don't know how honest I can get on here, but there's like, you're, you're not really supposed to fraternize with guests as a crew member. And, you know, as a guest, you have a little bit more liberty to, to do that. Um, because there's no like kind of conflict of interest as you're an employee of the company. I, you still have to be very careful with that right. stuff, but yeah. And I, I, not that I've engaged in any of that yet. So we'll <laughs> just putting that out there, but it's just a whole nother job. It's a whole nother world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you stay in contact with anybody from the boat spirit? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you remember Lena? Yeah. Uh, Lena and I talk like every day. Lena is great. She, so for context, for a lot of people that are listening, Lena and I hated each other when we first started working at Spirit. And uh, I just hated her because she hated me so much. And she used to hate the way that I would plate cheesecakes for dessert because for people's anniversaries, I would put double cheesecakes on the plate and try to make money, you know, like get get as much tips as I could. And she would yell at me because she'd be like, we're running out of cheesecakes. You can't just steal all the cheesecake. And it's just like a running joke that we had. And now we've become really, really close. We've experienced a lot of things together. Um, a lot of some tragedy together and, um, a lot of wonderful times together. So she's probably my closest friend from spirit. Um, anybody else from spirit that I still talk to? I really, don't know nicole weiss mm-hmm. i see her and i talk yeah, to her occasionally I... um and marvin joshua you remember him not sure actually yeah uh i was i was lena and i were very close with joe nolan and danielle fortunato when we were there yeah i haven't talked to joe in a while um but i hear he's doing great he's married living in colorado i think danielle is doing wonderfully um she's singing everywhere and so proud of her i really miss her too uh, but when it comes to spirit, Lena's been like my number one for that. Yeah. I was at a wedding like two years ago, I think. Yeah. It wasn't this past summer. It was, I think the summer before. And as I'm going to it, I'm like, I f- feel like this is entertainment cruises. Uh, like I feel like where I'm going. Did you notice the macaroni and cheese? <laughs> um, so it was actually, it was on the, it wasn't the bateau. It was the atlantica or whatever oh, okay. it was the newer boat that they got when we were still it, there in new york in new york oh wow. yeah yeah, yeah. Remember that. um yeah and there were some from familiar faces oh cool there. uh alberto was alberto yeah. yes oh i see taylor ray at the duplex yeah i see her often when i go sing there yeah yeah uh so that was kind of cool yeah oh that's awesome yeah um, yeah, good people, really, really great people. And the same situation like with Ellen's, you know, you came into work with a bunch of people that understood your life mm-hmm. because a lot of them were going through the same thing that you were. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about today? I'm 32 years old. Is that <laughs> recent can- or? I'm a cancer. <laughs> no, from June. Um, no, I think that's about it. Is there anything else that you want to know about? Not that I can think of right now. I do think you should do the show in New York. Okay. Again. That's good to know. Um, Thanks for the Also because you never know what happens right. with that. And you know, you have a good show. Um, it's honed yeah. now. Right. And I, I just think, I just love live performance in New York. I think yeah, it's really great. The great magic stuff. happens here. I agree. Uh, well, thank you for that vote of confidence. I will definitely consider yeah, that. Yeah, definitely let me know I will. when you do. I will. Thank uh, you. And like I said, I think there are ways, like you could 
are you yeah i guess you're active on facebook but like you could mm-hmm. use facebook to kind of like yeah. amongst your friends kind of you yeah. know gauge yeah, you're interest right. of I, it. I think i could muster up the energy to like pour myself out again and just like really sell myself am i allowed to say that on this yeah part? okay cool. say whatever oh you okay want. great um i think i could do it and i'm so touched that you were so interested enough to actually want me to come in today so thank you so much for having me oh, thanks for being here it's, it's so super inspiring what you're doing what you've done thank you um and i think hopefully people listening whatever it is that they want to do but maybe think they can't do it or aren't capable don't Absolutely. have anything to say don't know how they're going to do it you can do it you can do it you can you do know? it um and even if you don't know what is in the beginning like you never do right and i think one of the things about it is knowing that like anything it's gonna get better yes like yeah you have to be willing for it to be what it is to start with Mm -hmm. build from there and then it'll get better Uh, absolutely and it's it's never gonna be ready on your first try Mm -hmm. you know like don't always think that you have to succeed Right when you try something, there's always going to be evolution with what you create. Always, always, always. So don't be discouraged. That's my best advice. Yeah. And can you give any final words to just the journey of the artist, I guess? Be kind to yourself. You know, it's it's so easy to... We take the phrase, we are our own worst critics, to such an extreme level. Um, to the point of it changes who we are. It can make us these really negative people and it could eventually affect the way we treat other people because of what we internally feel towards ourselves. And when you love yourself and when you learn to love yourself, people around you will feel that. And it's easy to not love yourself when you are in this industry because you're constantly being told that we don't love you. You know what I mean? Or like, it's easy to hear that. But, you know, my mother always used to tell me and her mother told her, if you throw enough shit at the wall, something's going to stick. And it's true. It really, really will. Eventually, you will find your way. And that sounds so cliche, but, you know, it's just such true sentiment. Like, we all will find our path someday. So please be kind to yourself and don't give up on your dreams. Um, I wouldn't say that I've given up on acting. You know, I still want, I still feel such a huge part of this community, a part of the theater community. It's my, it was my education. It was my major. It was everything that I aspired to be while learning and while moving to New York. So I haven't completely let that go. And I think there's great power in having your own show. Right. I think so too. And maybe some way, some magic can happen where the two of those things can come together. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to be Barry Manilow on Broadway and have, you know, like my own show there, but, uh, I don't want to give up on that dream of like being a Broadway star. I think it would, it's, it's a, it's a craft I still have to hone, you know, it's, it's a, it's a journey that I still have to get better with and, and realize things with. So I'm going to continue to do that. Cool. Well, I look forward to seeing what you do, man. Thank you so much, Alec. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for being here. I hope it was interesting. It was. (laughs) Thank you. So that was my conversation with Yaniv Zarif. Check the show notes to check out Music Beyond Language and to follow him and those links that we talked about during the conversation. Hope you enjoyed that. 
I'm going to wrap it up here kind of quick. You might hear my voice in the intro and outro sounds a little little different than normal. Um, I did not get all the way sick, but I don't want to get sick. And yeah, my voice is at about 50. Well, I don't know. It's about whatever. It's not 100%. But thank you very much. Um, be healthy. Take care of yourself. And invest in yourself, as Yaniv talked about. Invest in yourself. It's worth it. It'll come back sevenfold. Um, yeah, I'm just going to put that out there. It'll come back sevenfold, and then you'll do something wonderful to share with the world and inspire others. So thank you very much. Keep listening. Go forth and make that wonderful thing you've been thinking about, dreaming about. Go make it a reality. Share it with the world. Share it with me. Inspire somebody else. Peace. We're gonna set you free.